Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Analysis.com. I'm Jay Dyer. You're listening to my analysis of Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, the 1932 dystopia that in many ways is more accurate than George Orwell's 1984. The song you heard coming in was Chloré Cosmu with Dream Agent, the excellent sultry tune from Ariel Electron. So check out their stuff if you like that song. One of my favorites, actually. Brave New World. Here we go. We're going to get hardcore. We're going to get deep. Stay with me. My copy includes an introduction, a foreword written by Huxley himself, discussing later his thoughts on the book after its publication. The first place to start in understanding this work is utilitarianism and the utilitarian happiness principle. Huxley is coming from a tradition, the British tradition of imperial empiricism. What is imperial empiricism? Well, from the time of the Enlightenment, the British version of it, we have a set of philosophers, namely John Locke, George Berkeley, Jeremy Bentham, uh, many others who would roughly fit into this school of empiricism and David I should mention David Hume as well the school of empiricism and utilitarianism and utilitarianism is sort of the ethical corollary to empirical philosophy which is the an epistemic view a view of epistemology that knowledge comes to us solely through sense experience and sense data Naive empiricism is the perspective of scientism. Scientism will grow out of the British empiricist perspective. The economic 
sometimes an ethical position of utilitarianism is the happiness principle, the greatest good for the greatest number of people, supposedly. These are very flawed perspectives, but they flow from one another. So this is why so-called libertarian economics and economic theory flows out of this empiricist model of anthropology and human psychology. It's connected because it recast mankind following the late Middle Ages into a nominalist perspective, out with the metaphysics, out with the universals, out with abstractions, and in with empirical science, data collection, numerics, quantification. That's the old system. The new system is scientism. That's what will develop out of this. So the revolutions are crucial to understanding Huxley's point and Huxley's thought. By these revolutions, he means the beginning of the scientific revolution, which led to economic revolutions, industrial revolution, the Enlightenment, etc. Philosophical revolutions, political revolutions, communism, Marxism, socialism, etc., etc. French Revolution. And the final revolution, to use the terminology of the Fabians and Huxley and Bertrand Russell, the Royal Society Social Engineers, is the scientistic revolution. That is the final revolution. It is not a revolution to create freedom as it was sold for many centuries. The false banner the false epithet, the false sloganeering of freedom, greater freedom, democracy. That's not what the penultimate revolution is, as Huxley calls it. What is the final revolution? Well, it is that. It is scientism. It is the penultimate revolution that follows upon atomic warfare, the ability to supposedly create mass destruction and all of this arises from scientific means that create the final power class of this eminentized eschaton if you will that is at least the eschaton of the old world the old way of doing things all traditional cultures collapsing into the psi tech revolution that's the final revolution the complete reorganization of man himself based on the principle of utilitarian happiness. That is the control mechanism. Why? Because it posits man only as a material actor in the world. Only as a material result of material determined processes. No higher faculties, no higher sense, no higher connection to metaphysics. Metaphysics no longer matters. All that matters is pragmatism. Pragmatism is the one school of philosophy that the United States has historically pioneered. And it is that connection to Bacon and scientism and the new Atlantis that America really fulfills in terms of a destiny. So the destiny of America is precisely a scientistic dictatorship. I don't say scientific because it's not really scientific. Now, that may sound controversial, 
But as we get to the end of Brave New World, you will see that that is exactly the fact. It is not a scientific revolution, ultimately based on science. Science is used, but it's only used when it's useful for certain ends on the part of the technocrats. Science, in truth, is actually very dangerous, just like art. And that is precisely what we will see in Brave New World. And why it's not proper to call it science, but rather scientism. The abuse of the tools of discovering the natural world through such means. So that is Huxley's point in this forward, is that Brave New World is a picture a literary picture of the real revolution, the final penultimate revolution planned on the part of the social controllers, the social engineers, and the real power structure. Keeping in mind that this was written in 1932, the amount of foresight in terms of technological developments is really profound in this work. Some have claimed that Huxley actually ripped this off from a person by the name of Stanislav Mankowski, Mankiewicz, I forget the exact name of the, Pol I believe he's a Polish writer, who wrote a, wrote a dystopian film, or a dystopian novel along the same lines, but that is a supposedly a debated topic in the history of literature, so whether or not that's true, I don't know. Uh, some have claimed that, but regardless, it's still amazingly prophetic in what it foresees. What does it foresee? It foresees eugenics, a eugenics-based state that practices dysgenics, everything will be classified and divided into a strict class system that goes from alphas to deltas. 70% of the female population are sterilized. Each segment of the population has a specific propaganda that's targeted towards it. Each of these Greek enumerated classes, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon. And it's a society that is drugged with Soma, the hallucinogenic happy pill that everyone takes. It's also in a gas form. And it's not a repressive society in the sense of physical force. This is the point that differs from 1984. 1984 is very much a top-down socialist, uh, fascist, communist, hardcore state where very brutal. Uh, the, bruta the brutality of Brave New World is not found in physical force. The brutality is found in the sensuous pleasure of the world state. So there are hatcheries, and the hatcheries are where clones come, uh, originate. The hatcheries are well the, where the population originates. No one is born from a womb anymore. In fact, it's bizarre, it's trite, it's laughable, it's comedic to talk about birthing natural. So from the alphas to the epsilons, this, this class structure is such that alphas have a lot more freedom and a lot more capabilities. Their genetics are modified such that they have the ability to do things that 
the epsilons are unable to do. The epsilons are essentially the, the, the stupidest of, of these classes. And everyone wears color-coded outfits, by the way, to signify which cast they are a member of. Mass production is applied to population production. And so population is something controlled scientifically insofar as producers or in the sense of factory work or in the sense of lab work are needed. So there's more or less a clone army, right? So something like Star Wars or Boba Fett's everywhere, the clone army. And there's a total quantification Social predestination, pure and total quantification in a Rene Ganon sense is, is absolutely applied across the board in totality in the world state predicted in the dystopian text of Brave New World. So the total control of repro reproduction is under the authority of this socialist world state. Everything is very sterile, including the population for the most part. Um, we will later find out that not every single person in the world state is actually sterilized, but we'll get to that in a bit. But it's important to see that even in the so-called perfect revolution, the lies of the older revolutions of egalitarianism don't apply. So there's no longer any pretense of there being castes and hierarchy. There are. And in the future dystopia, in this setting, no one objects to that caste system and that hierarchy precisely because everyone has their place and everyone has their place because they're happy. And this is what the world socialist dictator Mustafa Mond says in the novel and what Ber uh, Huxley says in his famous Berkeley lecture is that the reason it's so appealing is that it creates a purely natural physical state of happiness that is the drug soma he even says in the lecture were, were they actually to understand the circumstances and their slavery why they should be up in arms only a state of pure madness would accept such slavery but of course that's the very point isn't it there's something to that effect right that any normal person would see these this setting as absolutely insane and madness. It's a society of madness. But when everyone has been drugged to the point that they will accept any situation as happy, right? You'll be happy in any station in life through Soma, then you've eliminated all possibility of revolution. So the irony here is that the domino effect of revolutions from the time of the Enlightenment and the Protestant Reformation and these various European revolutions sets in motion a long series of revolutions that end in the revolution to end revolutions. Total dictatorship. The end result of Robespierre, Danton, Lafayette, and the Marat, the French revolutionaries, is this is this very state, the social dictator state. So everything is is a resource. Everything is is tracked, traced, and controlled. Energy is a resource. 
and not just energy in the sense of fuel or whatever but human energy is a resource humans are batteries much in the sense of the matrix as we see in the popular film alphas are the intellectuals as we said all the way down to the epsilons who are the lowest labor class and Huxley says essentially that the epsilon class doesn't progress in mental maturity past what an, a 10 year old is so they're essentially 10 year olds mentally who are test tube engineered they're, they're mass produced humans that serve the function of doing the the labor jobs so divorce uh, rampant sex these are all effects that, that Huxley says in the foreword that he foresaw and essentially wrote those into the text so mass divorce and rampant sexuality uh, would be used as a means to control society and again this is 1932 so we're not talking about 1960s documents from the Pentagon we're talking about Royal Society 1930s documents that's what we have with Brave New World and, and Huxley says very clearly this is not fiction it's a fictional portrayal of what is to come the infant nurseries where everyone is created in a test tube and a culture dish the babies are conditioned we learn there's Pavlovian neo-Pavlovian conditioning at the decanting rooms and the infinite infant nursery conditioning there the babies are electroshocked so here we have sort of early nascent forms of mind control MK Ultra that would later be used with electroshock techniques depatterning this comes into play with infants in 1932 in Brave New World amazingly and what this does is this conditions them to accept the social order of Brave New World the social order of the world controllers the Pavlovian conditioning works because it's done like it's done with dogs but on a mass scale with infants and this does the work of creating and controlling instincts and that's the point is to reduce man particularly the lower castes to completely instinctual creatures but not instinctual in the traditional sense of obeying biological drives and necessities sex food protection self-defense no 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 eradicating all those imprinting and patterning a new instinct which is to simply follow rules to simply obey the social order nature itself is in fact hated and is the enemy because nature is seen as frail and this is something we've highlighted many times in our analyses of the hermetic view of the great work which results in transhumanism for Huxley transhumanism which is actually a term coined by the Huxleys does play into this because we have completely engineered humans these are not normal quote-unquote humans as we would traditionally think of them these are test tube humans these are clones these are people who see sexual reproduction as gross as, as disgusting and a, as a joke so very much but that does not mean this is some sort of monastic chaste 
society. No, rather, they actually have pedophilia, they have youth sex, they have rampant sexuality with anyone and everyone, uh, more or less in your class, I suppose. But everyone is sterilized and they take sterilants, if they're not sterilized, to ensure that you don't have natural reproduction. And that's, that's the key here. And this is what we've seen now. This is essentially 2015. So we are in Brave New World now. Uh, we just haven't gotten fully into the standardization of the system that Huxley says will come. So state conditioning centers control birth, and that's what's key. And that's what we've seen proposed by the Rockefellers, by the Royal Society. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. By the Chinese government, by all of these different UN population councils, Pentagon, that is the goal here. The end of the family and total collectivism, right? That, that socialist, ultimately platonic republic model of human organization is where we're going. Everyone is brainwashed in this dystopia through sleep and what he calls hypnopedic engineering, hypnopedic conditioning. And this is a kind of mind control, MKUltra-esque sleep technique where you, you are patterned according to these certain slogans as you sleep. You, hear, you, know, you listen to these tapes that repeat over and over these mindless slogan, slogans of supporting the government. Uh, but again, it's also fascinating to note that the class consciousness has never been eradicated. So this is something supposedly from Marx, right, that, that Marx thought was uh, going to end one day in the final revolution. That does not end, right? There's no end to the class system. There is rather uh, the complete scientific regimentation of the class system. And that's the difference here. So everyone just chants mantras. They don't think through. In fact, it's discouraged to think through the mantras that the state gives you during your conditioning period, which is your youth, where you're basically under these mind control facilities for years. And that actually is the public education system that we have now. <laughs> that child conditioning results in operant conditioning, which results in complete control in society. I should stop for a moment and discuss a little bit in relation to the origin of the name before we proceed on. 
to chapter 3, the name Brave New World comes from the Tempest, and this is a section of the Tempest, Act 5, Scene 1, where we read, Oh wonder, how many godly creatures are there? How beauteous mankind is! Oh brave new world that has such people in it! Now there's curious parallels and pre-signifiers, perhaps, of the new world in the Tempest. So it's possible that Shakespeare knew about Magellan's circumnavigation, so he might have speculated about this new world in reference to the possibility of America. And it's these esoteric and hermetic Rosicrucian type image images that appear in The Tempest that link it to Sir Francis Bacon's New Atlantis. So that this comes out of an esoteric magical tradition is what is most interesting. Because Prospero, the character, rules as a kind of artist king. He's the white magus. And he rules this island as an artist king. And the whole question of the Tempest largely surrounds fiction, fantasy, and reality. So very much what I was just discussing with Tim Kelly in our last interview over Esoteric Hollywood. There are tests by illusion and this panopticism that comes into play with the island uh, and the question of nature being harmonized with reason, Prospero's all-seeing gaze, the, these are elements that will, I think, in a way esoterically pre-signify America because America will be more or less the America and the the UK the Anglo-American establishment will be Brave New World that is Brave New World that is the new Atlantis of Bacon not an Atlantis of utopia but dystopia and that's the end result of the scientistic scheme because it's not true it cannot build a utopia that translates into reality it can only build a dystopia as a bad philosophy thus translates into praxis into reality and that's where brave new world comes in because brave new world is that very dystopia it is the new atlantis but it's the new Atlantis that's a nightmare. So a little bit on that had to be said, and, and it's this atmosphere of the long-standing British occult tradition, all the way back to figures like John Dee and the Elizabethan court, astrologers and magi, Bacon, these different esotericists, the Ben Johnson, the John Dunn's, their fascinations with alchemy. Edmund Spencer's Fairy Queen, full of all the same alchemy, Rosicrucian, and esoteric symbology, which I have two or three graduate papers that I've written on that topic. 
that is the background to Brave New World. And so what I think we see is because there's a lot of truth in those hermetic traditions as it relates to secret principles in nature. And so what happens over time is that as the scientific process filters out the fiction from the fact in that process, the study of nature, alchemy, what happens is that the metaphysics gets dropped and the resulting dystopia is precisely a result of that dr dropping of metaphysics because it's the final revolution into a completely controlled materialistic atheistic state parallels could be seen in something like the Soviet Union where you have a completely atheistic state Fabianism Fabian socialism is essentially what is in Brave New World. This is the Fabian state. So children are, are sexualized. Children are named after various revolutionaries, Bernard Marx, Polly Trotsky, etc. But there's also the blending of capitalism because, as we know, they speak in terms of the year of our Ford instead of the year of our Lord. And at the quasi-Masonic, non-denominational, pseudo-religious service that everyone participates in, they have a large Model T that is the new form of the cross instead of the T, the Tau of Christianity. The new cross is the T in terms of the Model T Ford. So there's a homage to industrial capitalism as well as homage to Marxism. And this is a revelation from Huxley, a member of this Royal Society itself behind both of these revolutions, the capitalism and the communism, demonstrating that both of these are controlled. They're two arms of the same dialectic, capitalism versus communism. And that's what Huxley's telling you. They're two roads that lead to the same destination. And that's why the future Fabian state honors both. There's no religion. There's no history. You don't read Shakespeare. You don't read the past. That's all forbidden, forgotten, taboo. And people don't want to read it anyway. History is bunk, is the, one of the phrases. Films and movies are completely sensory based. They have no depth. They have no meaning. They're called feelies. They're very sexual in nature, more or less softcore porn with action and sensory stimuli and overload. That's it. That's the feelies. The theaters. Music is synthetic. It's essentially techno. I'm not dissing techno. I'm, I, I like electronic music quite a bit. But we get the impression that this techno is just merely a computer program. No human creation involved. It's all just pumped out of speakers by computers. That's it. Our Ford, our Freud. Everyone belongs to everyone else. Love is something laughable, something preposterous in this dystopia. Because everyone belongs to everyone else. Love implies possession. That is mine, not yours. Right? That's my wife. That's my husband. That's my child. 
that cannot exist in a society where everyone belongs to everyone else the supposed collective there's no emotions because everyone is drugged the signifying of emotions suggests the conveying of emotions suggests instability and this is a society based on stability not through brute force but through happiness through the pleasure principle water is controlled and drugged the Russian technique for infecting water supplies was particularly ingenious as it is said on page 48 sterilants in the water fluoride in the water a reality we see today rule by brains and buttocks governments an affair of sitting not hitting you rule with the brains and the butt never the fists so in other words you outsmart and you use bodily desires and sexuality to control the masses you don't control the masses through 1984 consume 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 so it's very much a consumer society it's, this is not an anti-consumer society another difference from 1984 Eric Blair George Orwell this is cloning and Fabianism humans are a marketable consumable commodity a product they come out of test tubes they're like McDonald's creations Big Mac people right aspartame ideologies natural birth again as I said is laughed at there are campaigns against the past museum <clears throat> museums do not exist there are no books beyond the last 150 years so again this is a significant amount of years into the future so in other words 150 years is still future to us in terms of when this dystopia is taking place everyone is euphoric narcotic and pleasantly hallucin hallucinant you have the Lord's you have Ford's Day instead of the Lord's Day the sacrament is drugs and the feely ritual ceremony that you have at your quasi Masonic inter denominational pan-religious ceremony that worships the great architect and what's fascinating as I mentioned too is that everyone thinks in their own cast that they're kind of elite right their their cast is special and that's the programming and the social engineering targeted specifically for each each cast so people will say things like well I'm glad I'm not a gamma you know I'm I'm a Delta there's a fake equality that's pushed even though there's a caste system where obviously people aren't equal there's a bureau of propaganda there's a college of emotional engineering it's basically like living on a state university campus is a good way to put it what's brave new world like imagine living your whole life on a state university campus TV is psychological warfare that's even mentioned it's a psyop the feeling picture not just the moving picture the feely picture all created by the propaganda house of emotional engineering feely fake TV 
news is read by sexy babes, sexy voices, info babes. The soul is stamped out, as Brave New, as Bertrand Russell said, would happen. The soul would have to be stamped out. And Brave, this is the Bertrand Russell system, Bertrand Russell structure. There are mass crematoriums for death, in the sense of if you've seen Logan's Run, this is portrayed well in that film where everyone participates in euthanasia because it's an honor to be cremated at the state crematorium and they have a nice little ceremony and some some pretty elevator music and you you just drift away as you are shoved into the incinerator and you are used as fertilizer so you you still serve your function to be a human commodity you become fertilizer for the plants in the, in the beautiful happy dystopia and everyone's happy. It's said many times, everyone's happy. Everyone takes drug holidays. Your holidays, so-called, are drug holidays. And everyone listens to drug music. And everyone takes their pills, not just their Soma, but also their birth control pills. If they're not a, mem a member of the sterilized class, then you take what's called your Malthusian pills. And so that's, again, Mal Thomas Malthus, one of the early progenitors of eugenics, the idea of controlling the population, all put in place in the Brave New World dystopia. The Rothschilds are mentioned. One of the important people is Morgana Rothschild. So all throughout, Huxley's through these names, giving you clues, Ford, Rothschild, Marx, Trotsky, etc., etc., as to who the important movers and shakers in global change have been. The service, as I said, the fake church service, the Logan's Run death cult, worships the greater being, the no content, abstract, impersonal being. Not a god, a being. Generic unity is what's worshipped. The liturgy of the fake church, fake state, it's called the orgy-porgy. The dancers get caught up in the liturgical refrain of the orgy-porgy. Orgy-porgy, forward and fun, kiss the girls and make them one. Boys at one with girls at peace, orgy-porgy gives release. This is your liturgy. So, <clears throat> everything is conveyed here, and that's what I want to convey to the listening audience, is that everything of the totality of the plan in real world is conveyed in totality in the novel, Brave New World, in 1932. Everyone's named after a Marxist and an industrialist, and that is crucial everyone is entertained by the most ridiculous base low common vulgar entertainment <clears throat> idiocracy but it's not total idiocracy in the sense of 
the satire film because there's a caste system where you still have intelligent people. The alphas in Brave New World are the smartest of the brainwashed classes. And they are, in fact, very brainwashed. That's very important. So in our day, the CEOs, the, the sports figures, the so-called alphas of whatever spectrum or aspect of life we're, we're speaking of, they don't really know most of the time the real game plan. They are propagandized. So you don't have feelings, but you do go to feelies. So feelings would suggest social concern, interpersonal concern. That's not allowed, not desired. Feelies are purely sensuous, orgasmic, fleshly, licentious, trigger response, emotion, uh, not, emotion's not the right word, uh, just bodily reaction, right? So, so that, for example, the sexuality in Brave New World is never attached to any emotion. It's just purely a biological action of pleasure. That's it. I'm not going to go too deep into all the characters, but I will a little bit. So you have Lenina, Bernard Marx, John the Savage, Mustafa Mond. These are the main characters. And Bernard is a somewhat questioning but manipulative guy who's interested in getting ahead. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. But... John the Savage lives on a reservation. So what we've come to find out is that there's a reservation of people who still live the old way. There's a whole society and sometimes the alphas from London in the world state, the socialist world state will, will for a whim or fancy, will visit the island where the savages are, the, the, the specific area where they keep the specimens of the old culture. And the savage res reservation, excuse me, it's not an island, it's in New Mexico. And that we learn that these people are the descendants of the Anasazi, with the, which were a mysterious tribe that disappeared at one time. Where they went, who knows? But they're the famously disappearing tribe why Huxley has chosen that I'm not sure that would be interesting to try to research but John Savage is a member of this group and we come to find out that he still participates in the religious ceremonies of his of his tribe so he's kind of a 
syncretistic uh, natural religion animism mixed with a little bit of Christianity because he, he believes in Jesus but also these other spirits so he's a representation of the old world really is, is what John is John the Savage and the reservation is kept like a zoo and the people in the reservation are viewed like animals they're, they're zoo animals relics of an older time that serve a scientific purpose for the socialist world state and the Malpai reservation is very dirty so it has this messy this this earthy bloody stinky uh, humanness to it that is in stark contrast to the sterile dead white, barren, uh, technocratic state of London. And when Lenina visits the girl interest in the film, <clears throat> she begins to have an affinity for John the Savage. And they decide that they want to, <clears throat> excuse me, take John the Savage to London because he's an interesting character. And he'll, he'll be kind of a, a, a thing of gossip, a, a party favor of sorts amongst the London elite, amongst the alphas, being this older relic of a, of a character from the reservation. So they bring John to London, to the world state, and John is shocked. So he goes through a period of, of culture shock uh, he uh, doesn't understand the, the total collectivism. He doesn't understand the symbolism, the imagery, the barrenness, the drugs. Even though in his culture they still had drugs too. So that's a fascinating parallel that still carries over. Drugs never go away. In fact, they become crucial. And the hypocrisy we discover is that the world one of one of ten world socialist directors world social controllers Mustafa Mond is actually John's dad so Mustafa Mond has an affinity for the ancient world as we learn of his hypocrisy being the atheist world dictator because he impregnated John's mom and Bernard is found out to be a, a selfish pragmatist uh, and so what we what we are left with is John the Savage who's going to function as a kind of revolutionary in London against this brave new world technocratic state and Lenina his love interest the alpha level female who begins to develop an, a sexual attraction for John the Savage that goes beyond mere play she actually begins to have an attachment for him. They will be set against Mustafa Mond, the world controller, whose hypocrisy becomes evident and who ultimately they will have a showdown with. And that's the most revealing aspect of, of the story that, that we'll get to in a moment. But 
So John is in, in the midst of all this. He doesn't understand the feelies. He's troubled by the religious ceremonies. He's, as I said, culture shock. There's only one mention of a bank in the whole book, which is fascinating. The Bank of England is the only thing that's mentioned. Excuse me, the, the Bank of Europe, excuse me. So we're, we're, we don't see much economics in this book because, of course, economics presupposes individual action for the purpose of uh, profit, gain, monetary exchange, and so forth, which isn't really needed in this world. So banking doesn't actually play much of a role in the future dystopia. <clears throat> but John, while on the reservation, wrote a lot of Shakespeare. So he's constantly quoting Shakespeare. He's, he's remembering things from the Bible, his religious traditions, and he's mentioning these things. And no one in the enlightened tech dystopia knows what he's talking about. They, they laugh at him. They think it's funny. They, they're, they're, it's idiocracy on one level, even though they're very scientifically learned. They don't... They have no idea what Shakespeare is. They don't know what he's talking about. One of the most important sections in the book, there's two. The first is Mustafa Mann's reflection as he's deciding which texts will be published in science. This is crucial. So the top of the chain in London is deciding which texts will be published in science journals. Does it sound familiar? It sounds just like what The Lancet said uh, a few months ago, that half of the world's literature in terms of scientific data is false. Why, that sounds just like Brave New World and Mustafa Mann now, doesn't it? A New Theory of Biology was the title of the paper which Mustafa Mann had just finished reading. He sat for some time meditatively frowning and then picked up his pen and wrote on the title page, the author's mathematical treatment of the conception of purpose, telos, is novel and highly ingenious, but heretical. And so for the present social order, as it is concerned, it is dangerous and potentially subversive and therefore, quote, not to be published. He underlined those words. The author will be kept under supervision. His transference to the Marine Biological Station of St. Helena may become necessary. A pity, he thought, as he signed the name. It was a masterly piece of work. But once you begin admitting explanations in terms of purpose, well, you didn't know what the result might be. It was the sort of idea that might easily decondition the more unsettled mind amongst the higher castes to make them lose their faith in happiness as the sovereign good. And to take to believing instead that the goal was somewhere beyond out there, somewhere outside the present human sphere, that the purpose of life was not the maintenance of well-being, but some intensification and refining of consciousness, some enlargement of knowledge, which was, the controller reflected, quite possibly true, but not, in the present circumstance, admissible. He picked up his pen again, and under the words, not to be published, drew a second line, thicker and blacker than the first, and then sighed. What fun it would be, he thought, if one didn't have to think about happiness. Quite a bit packed into that. How often do I critique scientism and the ruse that everyone is under, that we live in this scientific society with Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson and Hitchens and Dawkins spouting out this great era of evolution and science. 
And yet, in 1932, Huxley was telling you that science is strictly controlled as much as any other area of full-spectrum dominance. The purview of full-spectrum dominance includes everything from science to the arts to education to government. You name it. And this is what he's telling you. This is admitted right here, and it's going to be even clearer in Section 2. And I'd like to point out as well that I've mentioned many times before revisiting Brave New World that telos is what had to be destroyed in nature and in scientific inquiry. Because if there's telos out there in nature, that suggests that there's purpose, that there's a higher metaphysical objective principle that we are thus bound to. That means the state and the world state and the world corporate state don't have complete dominance and control over all reality <laughs> right because there are metaphysical principles truth god etc beyond them it means that they're not god and so you can't have competing authority structures and competing principles out there in the world such as metaphysics or whatever that limits your power if you're a state that seeks complete and total power So, as John has this breakdown and, and tries to start a revolution, he speaks to a crowd of people in the dystopic city of London. And he asks, do you not have any sense of the poetic or of the aesthetic? Everything is literal. And yes, everything is literal. They've lost all sense of imagination, creativity, right brain intuitiveness. That's all gone out the window because we're living under the imperial, empiricist, pragmatist state, which of necessity excludes, negates, and excommunicates right brain creativity because that's out of the purview of control, once again. It suggests individual inspiration on the part of the artist. That also must be controlled. That's the two things that Mustafa Man will say are the most dangerous to the state. Science and art. There you go. So Linda gets cremated. That's John's mom. Uh, they just throw her into the crematorium. John is upset. He cries. Uh, but they have instead for everyone else who's not upset at these, the deaths that are constantly happening in the crematoriums. They have death education. Yes, death education, which we learned about after Columbine and that staged event at PSYOP. Huxley said we would have death education in 1932. So you want to understand what was what's what are these school shootings really about? What are these traumatizing events? It's death education. What's death education about? Brave New World. There's no funeral, no service. You just get roasted. Right. You just get incinerated, you're just human hot pocket, and then you become fertilizer. <clears throat> Mourning death, <clears throat> anyone who would mourn death is actually mocked. And so that's why John has his breakdown in the crematorium, is because he's upset that no one cares about death. Uh, that he can't mourn his mom's death they bring in a, a troop of kids who are studying death and they're all kind of standing around laughing and wondering why John's crying. And that 
John basically has meltdown because, and this is another interesting point, everyone is, in one sense, scientifically sophisticated. Uh, you know, if presuming that you're in the upper classes here of, of the alphas and the betas. But they are babies. They, they're not men and they're not women. They're childlike. And that is what John says when he tries to rebuke the crowd following his mother's death. He says, Do you like being slaves? The savage said as they entered the hospital. His face was flushed, his eyes bright, and his ardor in it with ardor and indignation. Do you like being babies? Yes, babies, mewling and puking, he said, exasperated by their bestial stupidity and throwing insults at those who had he had come to save. The insults bounced off the carapace of thick stupidity. They stared at him with blank, blank expressions full of dull, sullen resentment. Yes, you're puking babies, absorbed into an... <clears throat> absorbed into an intense overpowering hatred for these monsters John begins to see what's going on here so this is imagery borrowed from Plato's allegory of the cave where John becomes the figure like Socrates who, who, who gives this analogy who tries to enlighten the people in the dystopia about their bondage and slavery and in the Berkeley lecture Huxley says as much he says your slaves what how are you liking this insanity that you're in so that's total double mind total revelation of the method there on the part of Huxley who was very much involved in helping create this Fabian technocratic society <clears throat> Huxley says to you who believe in this society and who follow it you're you're insane to actually like this slavery yet that's the great paradox isn't it that's the great mystery here and this is this poignant scene is what exemplifies that with John trying to wake these people up, so to speak. <clears throat> He's speaking to a crowd of deltas who are the next level up from the bottom of, of the stupidest people. He's, he's speaking to 10-year-olds, basically, trying to get them to understand, 10-year-old adults, trying to get them to understand that they are dupes. And if you've ever talked to baby boomers, if you've ever talked to the general public, this is the experience that you have. You try to explain to them the situation that all of the reality that you move and, and operate in is slavery. It's a lie. <clears throat> and the response that you get from those who are supposed to be adults is they act like children. Right? They get mad at you. Uh, they... they immediately act like spoiled brats and that's what happens with John here that's what they do to John and so they bring in a bunch of uh, spraying they aerosol spray the crowd <laughs> so that's kind of a chemtrail type thing where they spray everybody with their soma their happy pill and that puts them into a happy state and then the voice comes on which everywhere in the dystopia is the voice and the voice is this soothing voice that 
the NPR, the NPR voice. Why are you happy? Well, excuse me, why aren't you happy? Why are you sad? There's no need to be sad. Enjoy your life, right? All that comes on. Oh, how I want you to be happy. If you think of THX 1138, where Robert Duvall is confessing his sins to the robot confessional, <laughs> and there's that cheese ball robot Jesus that says, Blessings of the state, blessings of the masses. Right, and then Robert Duvall confesses his sins to, to a robot. That's what we, the same imagery here, the voice. Uh, oh, I do want you to be happy. <laughs> so, you know, expect that in the future. You'll have DARPA robots walking around the streets, and if anybody gets unhappy, the robots will will comfort you and give you back massages and tell you that they love you and want you to be happy and spray you in the face with a bunch of Prozac. So then we come to the <clears throat> climactic scene of being ushered before Mustafa Mond to haggle with him and argue over society. Uh, John's mad. He just tried to spark a revolution. Didn't work. All the people tried to kill him <laughs> for telling him the truth. And Mustafa Mond brings him in. And they, they have this really profound talk that is the most enlightening and important section in the book. <clears throat> and first John starts talking about Shakespeare. And Mustafa Mond is the first person in the world society he's met who knows who Shakespeare is. So John quotes Shakespeare and Mustafa Mond actually knows what he's talking about. So that blows John away. And Mustafa Mon says, well, I make the laws here so I can also break them. I'm not bound by these laws that all the idiots are bound by. So, yeah, of course I've read Shakespeare. I've got a safe where I've got the Bible, a bunch of literature, Othello, Romeo, Romeo and Juliet, you know, all, all the classics. So John can't understand this. And he says, well, why don't you tell everybody else about this? And he says, well, they don't want that. <laughs> why would the rest of these brainwashed, mind-controlled slaves why would they want to leave their servitude they love their servitude and they've chosen their servitude so why would I share with them a bunch of literature that's difficult that they would have to wrestle with grapple with chew upon in a classical pedagogical sense why would I share that with them pearls before swine they don't want this so John's kind of blown away by that. And he says, well, what about high art? You don't even have any high art here in your your so-called utopia, your dystopia. Mustafa Mon says, why would I have high art? These idiots don't care anything about high art. <laughs> they like the dumb shit, right? They like feelies. They like Action Jackson. They're, they're not going to care about Titian, Rembrandt. They're not going to care for Bernini. Why, why would that doesn't make any sense so John has this older view of human nature that's very lofty because he's part of that older world where these things would be appreciated Mustafa Mond his foil is the complete embodiment of the new world the new world order of scientism of technocratic control 
devoid of beauty, aesthetics, arts, creativity, and true science. So this contrast, this juxtaposition between these two characters is, is the best part of the book. And this is the most revealing. And Mustafa Mond explains, our world, you see, is not the same as Othello's world. You can't make flivers without steel, and you can't make tragedies without social instability. The world is stable now. People are happy. They get what they want. They never want anything that they can't get. They're well off. They're safe. They're never ill. They're not afraid of death. They're, they're blissfully ignorant of passion, love, old age. Uh, they're plagued with no mothers or fathers, no family struggles, no wives, no kids, no lovers to feel strongly about. They're so conditioned that they practically can't help behaving but as they ought to behave and if anything should go wrong well then there's soma which you go and chuck out of the window in the name of so-called liberty savage liberty expelled expecting a delta to know what liberty is huh. and now expecting them to read othello my good boy <laughs> the savage was silent for a moment all the same he said othello is good othello is better than all those stupid feelies of course it is, Mustafa Mond agreed. That's the price, though, that we have to pay for stability. you got to choose between happiness and what used to be called high art. The feelies are just emotional engineering, he says. So this society is a pyramid, and that's what Mustafa Mond says. Uh, they even tried, this is a point, that John says, says well, why don't you, if you can create the people that you want, why don't you just create a whole society of alphas? And Mustafa Mon says, well, we had, we did that. We did that back in uh, 473 AF, that is uh, after Ford. Uh, the, the island of Cyprus back in uh, 473 AF was a completely con controlled social experiment where Everyone was an alpha. We put 22,000 alphas there, and unfortunately the alphas were smart enough to figure out that they were in a controlled society, and they rebelled. <laughs> he said, so the whole island was a big uh, disaster, and so a society built on levels of castes in a pyramid is much more stable than a society of alphas. The optimum population, Mustafa Mon said, is modeled on the iceberg eight-ninths below the water line and one-ninth above it, which is a pyramid. Right. There you go. He said, the reason it didn't work, by the way, is because you had some alphas that were having to do epsilon moron work, and they went crazy and started smashing things up. <laughs> so when you put epsilons into when you put alphas into epsilon work which was what was required for this social experiment on the island of cyprus uh it ended in a big disaster so john is mystified and he still can't understand this completely different world that he's in and he says well what about science though and, and john is actually there with a few other people from london from the dystopia who got in trouble for being present at his attempted revolution and they also inquire about science they want to ask Mustafa because they're they can't believe Mustafa Mon's hypocrisy 
how can you be reading Shakespeare and you've impregnated a woman in a natural way uh, and all of this hypocrisy you like high art what uh, while at the same time you're sitting here telling us that we live under a scientific dictatorship and that is the perfect society so you're lying it's a it's hypocrisy and essentially Mustafa Mond is saying yeah of course it is I'm not subject to those rules because those rules apply for the retards that's for all the idiots and all of you that bought into this uh, now this is the key page that I'm gonna have to read because we're gonna learn what science really is in our day science scientism is perfectly explained and exposed here in a total revelation of the method way by Huxley and I want everyone to really get this down really 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 remember this and learn this because I've mentioned I've had so many arguments so many debates with people over this point who just can't fathom that Dawkins Hitchens academia the scientific establishment could be controlled and they are and that's what you have to understand and that's what I'm going to show you that Huxley was saying back in 1932 so coming to the conclusion page here we see that the hermetic course is what led to scientism in the West and society becomes completely weaponized for the purpose of stability according to the utilitarian happiness principle and the conclusion is precisely that science is dangerous real science that's Mustafa Mann's point to the savage there's another reason that we're so chary of applying new inventions every discovery in pure science is potentially subversive even science must sometimes be treated as a possible enemy yes science science the savage frown he knew the word but what exactly it signified he could not say Shakespeare and the old men of the Pueblo had never mentioned science and from Linda he had only gathered the vaguest tense science was something that you made helicopters with something that you made that caused you to laugh at the corn dance it was something that prevented you from being wrinkled and losing your teeth he made a desperate effort to take the controller's meaning yes Mustafa Mond was saying that's another item in the cost of stability it's not only art that's incompatible with happiness it's also science science is dangerous we have to keep it most carefully chained and muzzled what said Helmholtz in astonishment but we're always saying that science is everything it's a hypnopedic platitude three times a week between 13 and 17 said Bernard and all the science propaganda that we did at college yes but what sort of science asked Mustafa Mann sarcastically you've had no scientific training so you can't judge I was a pretty good physicist in my day too good good enough to realize that all our, our science is just a cookery book with an orthodox theory of cooking that nobody's allowed to question and a list of recipes that mustn't be added to except by special permission from the head cook I'm the head cook now but I was an inquisitive young scientist once I started doing a bit of cooking on my own unorthodox cooking illicit bit of real science and that got me in trouble there you go 
So as a result, discussion is made in regard to what to do with John and the other revolutionaries that discover Mustafa Mond is a fraud to send them off to the island and in this setting the island is where actual artists and people who figure out that the society is bullshit are sent and John there's some discussion of sending John there but they decide no John tries to kind of run away and he goes and sets up in the final chapter of the novel his own little her, uh, hermit scenario living in an old lighthouse and he's gardening and doing his own cooking his own food and years later reporters come sort of tabloidy people and TV gab gossip types come looking for the savage and they eventually find John living out in this old lighthouse and they surround him with constant television camera media spectacle John becomes a spectacle and as a result of this he hangs himself so the climax of the novel is John hanging himself and this represents the death of the old world in, in total of course the reservation is still there but John was that last sort of potentiality for revolution against the final revolution and that's what do we have with Brave New World that's the entirety of this message is complete scientific control panopticon revolution to where there's no more revolution right the snake ends up eating its own tail the Ouroboros of the revolutionary move ends in a total tyranny but as Mustafa Mon says a tyranny of necessity a tyranny where it's a tyranny of actually the acceptance on the part of the masses of the lies it's the masses that put themselves into this tyranny because they don't want truth and they don't want a society that involves itself in the potential for unhappiness so the flight from struggle from adversity what makes men into men the the flight into the Kali Yuga the aeon of the child of, of immaturity of lies deception that is the society that breeds its own tyranny the society that creates its own tyranny so on one level yes it is Mustafa Mond and the world socialist controllers that are guilty and they're frauds but on the other hand it's society too that's guilty and that's a fraud because they share in this guilt of not loving what's true and because they don't love what's true and they prefer and love lies they become their own worst enemy and that's the message of brave new world it's also the message of where we live today so it's not always the oligarchs that are to blame they do share a good bit of the blame because they are the social controllers that helped engineer and get us to this point of brave new world but it's also the lies that men 
prefer to believe to avoid culpability and it's that avoidance of culpability and responsibility and the responsibility for knowing truth and loving and figuring out truth that is the cause of their own enslavement and that's what point Huxley makes in the Berkeley lecture so this is Jay's analysis of Brave New World there you have it that is what I got from the text revisiting it this year 2015 a lot of stuff that I never would have seen back when I read it you know in my younger days in my 18 19 ish period and there's just so much there it's very prophetic it's very in, in ways esoteric it's revelatory of what's really going on but I would like to stress that it proves my point about hidden metaphysics which I've discussed many times in talks and articles real science true science is something that I really like and just because I study philosophy doesn't mean that I didn't love philosophy of science and that I don't care about the natural world as a manifestation of God's divine logos the, the logoi in the in the material world are the very things that demonstrate God's omniscience is his telos etc his providence <laughs> but that has been removed uh, by the ideology of the Royal Society and so it speaks to the claims of Kurt Gerdell that there was a great conspiracy to make men dumb uh, as, as he discovered from Bertrand Russell whom he debated there was a conspiracy to suppress metaphysics as Kurt Gerdell claimed in response to Russell and the Fabian Society and there was a conspiracy to stamp out the soul and to erect a materialistic determined technocracy as Bertrand Russell and the Huxleys and the Fabians and the Royal Society have all professed so this is your world this is this is the real world and this is where we live we live right now at the cusp of brave new world I mean it's here in a sense and it's really gonna be here in the next 10 or 20 years I mean really and this is where we are so here you are in brave new world and I think if you're listening to this you like me are more on the side of John the Savage and ironically John the Savage had much in common with Mustafa Mond the world socialist controller because they both loved what was true they loved true art high art good art aesthetics in a real sense they weren't duped but John was honest and sincere in what he wanted Mustafa Mond was a pragmatist and had no ideals even though he believed that metaphysics was true and that there was a God and that science really did discover things that pointed in that direction but all that had to be suppressed and lies had to be 
engaged in large scale large scale lies and psyops and deceptions right there in Brave New World what is Brave New World the psyop state large scale mass media deception mass drugging big pharma mass MK ultra that is Brave New World and Brave New World even it's it's all the very techniques that you read in the MK Ultra leaks insofar as we understand what's in those leaks so that proves to me MK Ultra is real because it's in Brave New World prior to the release of any MK Ultra documents and it's what we see in the social order today it's big pharma that's that's MK Ultra right there so you want proof that MK Ultra is real A brave new world there you go exact same so this has been Jay's analysis this has been brave new world I hope you enjoyed this I think that it was a useful detour break from Plato's Republic but we will return to that so I want to thank listeners and tell your friends about jaysanalysis.com there will be much more to come in the future in terms of literature philosophy film geopolitics esoterica history you name it